Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of maker moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new maker mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running FreemanFurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Maker Mom podcast. Today's guest is Brandy with Eternal Harvest, and I had such a fun time learning all about Brandy's journey from becoming from being a psychologist to woodworker extraordinaire, along with homeschooling her kiddos. So it's such such a great interview, and can't wait to let you guys get to it. But before that, a reminder that there is a Patreon page for the Maker Mom podcast. Patreon is P A T reon.com forward slash make a mom podcast so why don't you head on over there pause this right now and head on over and check out how to become a full member of the maker mom tribe and get access to all sorts of patron only content including uh, starting in early february i will get the date put out there so everyone knows we will be having a monthly maker mom online meetup just for patrons so i really want you guys to go over there and check it out i will get the date posted as soon as possible but i'm really looking forward to this new opportunity to get to meet with and talk to other maker moms in the community just to get to know each other share pointers and tips and really be there as a community for each other to help support each other all right with no further ado I will let you get to Brandy with the Eternal Harvest. Well, Brandy, thanks for agreeing to be a guest on the show. Of course. I'm so excited. This is yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and get started with just like a brief introduction of yourself, um, like what kinds of things you like to make and about your kids and stuff. Okay. Um, my name is Brandy, and I'm a woodworker, and I'm also a mom of three. I have three kids, ranging from four to 12 in age. Um, I like to build anything I can, really. I really love challenging myself, so I try lots of different things. But I mostly sell in my business, Eternal Harvest, I mostly sell tables and entryway tables, coffee tables, things like that, furniture around the house. So it's fun. Okay, great. And okay, so you have three kids, right? Yes. And what were their age ranges again? 12, 10, and four. Okay, so decent, decent range there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been told it gets better as they get older, and I'm I'm hoping that stay. Is that true? <laughs> I keep crossing my fingers that that's the case even now. I mean, let's, let's hope. I've got the teenage years ahead of me, so yeah. I'm nervous. <laughs> uh, all boys, girls? Uh, um, my oldest, my 12-year-old is a boy, and then I have two girls. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice mix. Yeah. Um, so let's go back a little ways here. What was your childhood like? Oh, that's a loaded question, isn't it? 
Um, so my childhood, let's see. I grew up in California, nice and warm weather. I live in Utah now, so I keep pining for that sunny weather during the wintertime. Um, but I grew up in California, and I was the oldest of three. And um, I went to public school in California. We moved around a lot. So when I was around 12, my mom pulled me out of public school and homeschooled me for the rest, um, which I really actually loved. I thought it was a great experience for myself. And um, then I graduated early. I graduated high school at 14 and started college pretty early, but I didn't go to college. At that time, it was called correspondence. At 14, my mom wasn't about to send me off. <laughs> be like, well, peace out. See you later. Um, so she kept me home for that as well. And I finished my associates early and then went on to get my doctorate in psychology. So that's kind of my history as far as um, educational. Educationally, I was a psychologist and that was my whole focus. And I referred my clients and stuff a few years ago to come home and raise my kids and homeschool my kids. So there's a fast forward version of my youth <laughs> into the present. Um, I don't know if there's more you're interested in, but. Well, um, especially with the, the homeschooling, did you get to maybe get more into a creative side at all? Absolutely. Or was it, I mean, Gosh, going from 12 to 14 and graduating high school already, it sounds like it was probably a pretty accelerated um, homeschool program, but was there, you know, a creative aspect there? Absolutely. And it was for sure accelerated. Um, but my mom was an entrepreneur. She was a programmer and she had started multiple businesses. And I kind of watched her for a long time. Um, bounce around and do things that she loved and things that um, brought out a creative side in her and things that she was passionate about. And I decided really early at a young age that I wanted passion. I wanted to find passion in my life in whatever facet, whatever way I could. That was something I really wanted to do. So I tried to focus and she helped me a little bit in this process, but I tried to focus on things that brought me joy and that got me excited and that I could just feel that spark, you know? And so I did learn that early on. And, and with homeschool, I had the freedom to kind of look around for things like that and anything that gave me that spark, I could kind of hyper-focus on for a while. But I tend to do that for a minute and then I move on to something new <laughs> that sounds interesting at the time or brings that spark again. So, but woodworking has not been that way. I've actually, I still love it. And I think it's enough of a challenge for me that the, it never gets boring. And it's actually the same with mental health. Those are the two things. Mental health work is always interesting because people are different and there's so many different kinds of people and different kinds of things that you can learn about someone and woodworking's the same way. And so anyway, Except it. for when, you know, a piece of wood is giving you a bit of trouble, you can take a hammer to it. You can't really do that with people. <laughs> you can take a hammer to them in words. True, true, very true. And I'm a bit jealous of like, you know, the, the psychology degree. Like I considered that for like, half of a hot minute in college, <laughs> um, but realized I would probably take more of my patient's problems home with me, and that wasn't really, you know, personally wasn't right for me, but now that I'm into business, I'm like, man, if I really 
understood more about people's psychology. Like, I think it makes you a better business person. I, you know, cause you, I don't know, maybe have a head start on kind of human behavior when it comes to transactional type arrangements. I don't know. <laughs> I would like to say, yes, that's true, but I, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Every person is different. And you, I, I feel like you cannot, you cannot bring it down into that small of a box. You know, everybody is so different. And, and yes, I like to say I understand people, but I don't understand. <laughs> I don't even understand myself. So <laughs> it's a constant challenge, but I enjoy the business side of it. That's for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, all right. So how long have you been a maker and how did you kind of first get started, you know, with the woodworking? Yeah. So I've been woodworking for about four years now. And <clears throat> I think I kind of started the same way a lot of people on Instagram or that I've met in the field start. I was working full time as a therapist. I was a clinical director for a facility. Um, for a few years, for about four or five years. And we had only had two children at the time and knew that we wanted another one. And at that point, I wanted to be home with the two that we had. And I wanted to start homeschooling because that's kind of my history. And I, I felt like that would be a good choice for our family. And my husband did as well. So we discussed it. And I decided to refer all my clients and come home and be home. And as soon as I came home, we found out I was pregnant with my third. And so it was a good choice at that point because I have really rough pregnancies. I mean, like bedridden the entire time. So during that pregnancy, I had a lot of time to look around my house and my room and kind of, uh, I don't know, obsess, if you will, over things that I wanted to see happen in the decor areas in my home, which sounds really surface, but that was the only thing that I had to distract my mind from. Um, from being pregnant and sick and getting depressed <laughs> while I was laying here. And so I started researching woodworking and pieces that I might want to try and make because we were missing my income now at this point. And I was like, well, if I want to change anything in this house, I'm going to have to figure it out on my own and figure out how to do it. So after my first came, I decided to build an entryway table for our front hall and I found a plan on Anna White um, that looked like something I could do. I had a circular saw and a drill and I went to town and in fact I don't like to tell people this but I used um, treated wood because I liked the way that it looked. I had no idea what was in it or if it was a good wood to use. I knew nothing at this point. And so I built this entryway table and it was huge, Katie, no joke. It was too big for the space. Again, I didn't know what I was doing. So we put it in the front hall and I was like, well, it's really pretty, but it's giant and it's too big for this space. But I had a lot of fun making it. So I put it up for sale and I sold it on Facebook pretty quickly. It was like within a week it was gone. And I was like, well, that was kind of fun. I, I think I might want to try and do that again. So I built another one for me, but at the same time, I built one that I could sell as well. And I sold that one pretty quick. And it kind of just snowballed, spiraled into this accidental business that I now have and love. And 
it's kind of fun to tell the story and to look back at, I still have a picture of that first century way table and I sometimes look at it sitting because I took a picture in the space and I was, it just makes me giggle because it's like, it's just huge, but it was a learning experience and it was fun. Awesome. Um, so it sounds like, yes, like others have talked about, there was a need there, right, for, for a piece of, of furniture. And so that's um, what got you started. Um, yeah. And it didn't sound like you intended on turning it into a business. Um, no. <laughs> but what do you feel, I mean, do you mainly do custom builds now? Is that your kind of your bread and butter? Yes, that is, in fact, that's all I do. I don't have enough space to make on spec and keep pieces until they sell. And it's, it's much easier to build for people um, that already know what they want and they can give me specifications and I can design something up and have it done, you know, in a week mm -hmm. or two and mm -hmm. sell that. So absolutely, custom work is, is my thing. Okay. Um, I've noticed, though, a lot of your pieces incorporate, I guess I'll call it like the chevron pattern, right? The, the V pattern. Yes. yes. Um, yes. Was Aaron that both. kind of your um, aesthetic all along or is that just something you gravitated towards or? No, in fact, um, this summer was the first time that I've done that herringbone style. Actually, no, that's a lie. The winter before I did a barn door with herringbone and I loved it. And then um, this summer I had, I had a customer request it on the top of a table and I was like, oh, that's a fun idea. I think we can figure that out. And those kind of just blew up this summer. Mm -hmm. People really loved them. And, but no, I've made a lot of different, I wouldn't say there's one style that's kind of me. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's really all about, cause it's custom orders, right? So it's whatever is in right then, it's whatever people want. I'll do my best to make that. But that herringbone has to be one of my favorites right now for sure. Yeah. What is your, what um, platform or where do you get most of your sales from? So it's mostly on Facebook um, okay. that I sell locally. And then we have a local classified ad called on KSL, which is a news, a news website. And I sell a lot on there as well. Okay. Okay. And word of mouth, but yeah, mostly Facebook, I would say. Okay, awesome. Um, was there anything that you feel like, was there any moment that you hesitated about going full business with this? Like every second? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, yeah, I, that first summer when I built and people started really requesting things and I started getting kind of my influx of custom orders, I was like, whoa, I don't know if this is what I want to do. This wasn't intended. I quit my job to be home with my kids and now I'm starting a business. Is this really what we had planned? And so my husband and I had to sit down and discuss this because I also needed an outlet mentally for me. Um, being a mom is everything to me. I enjoy it. I love it. But as most of us moms know, it is a giving job. It's a depleting job. And we have to find creative ways to fill ourselves back up again. And it's different for everyone, I think. But for me, this was something that allowed me to take time for myself while still being here with my children and to 
do something that made me feel happy and fill that cup a little bit. And it's kind of funny because I joke, yes, I went to school to become a doctor so that I can build furniture in my garage. But honestly, there's something really special about that to me because these pieces that I'm building, they go home with somebody and they are part of their family for a while. And that means a lot to me. That's something that's really special. And it's a piece of me that gets to kind of go home with them, you know? So it was at that point that I realized no, this is okay. I want this to be a business and I want this to be something that I have and that I can contribute to our family and to myself. And we'll just go with it and see, and see what happens. And luckily my husband was on board. It took a little convincing, (laughs) but, but he's okay with it right now. And we've worked out a schedule so that it doesn't take me completely away because I'm also the type of personality that can totally immerse myself in that and forget about everything else so balance is key for me right now and he tends to remind me of that but anyway what what do you think or what do you feel has been maybe like one of the most challenging parts of running it as a business versus you know as solely that outlet that creative outlet for yourself I think the biggest challenge is just that maintaining balance and remembering its purpose. Because when I think of it as solely a business, um, I lose that piece that fills me up. It becomes more of a task. It becomes less of something that I love. And so if I can maintain the balance and hold my boundaries with, with customers and with how much I'm willing to take on at a time and, um, allow myself a little bit of creativity and not get stuck in producing one thing, you know, then I think I'm able to maintain that balance and still, but that's been a big challenge. And every year I kind of have to, about this time in winter, when I shut down and I reassess the situation, I go, okay, what am I going to do this year to help myself, you know, maintain that and still hold on to that piece that I love and the reason I started woodworking in the first place, you know, so. Yeah. And, and I think that's key that balance. Um, I always get a little suspicious with that word though, right? Cause to me, people see balance and they assume uh, equality between all parts of your life. And that's not really necessarily possible, <laughs> but not it's more of like, you know, I guess more so the balance that you can live with. What's the thing that makes you feel like you're showing up for all of the parts of your life? I agree. I agree. And I think when I say balance, I do kind of mean equal parts, but they look different. So the equal parts are equal part of giving as well as filling myself up. I think that does need to be pretty even, Mm -hmm. but that can, that can be in many different areas. We can find that in a lot of different ways, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, So building that very first table for yourself, was that the first time you picked up a tool? (laughs) Um, no, no, it wasn't. We, so growing up, going back to my youth, my dad was not one to pick up a tool ever. (laughs) In fact, when he did, things would get more broken (laughs) than when he started. So it was kind of a joke in our family. My mom would say, oh, the toilet's broken. Don't tell your dad. 
And so, because we don't want him to try and fix it, it'll be worse. I'll just look at it later. And so really early on in my early teens, I started researching how to fix things when they broke in our house so that I could do it before dad got home and he wouldn't know for my mom. Um, so I didn't have a lot of power tools, but I think I had an early experience on how to fix small things and like, you know, the handyman experience kind of early on. And then our first house that we bought as a married couple was an old, um, I think it was a late sixties model town home. And it had all of the original, everything, original carpet, original wall, everything needed replaced and fixed. And so I think I kind of started to um, come into my own as far as fixing things up and learning how to use power tools and learning how to woodwork and how to tile and how to replace carpet with, you know, laminate flooring. And um, I really kind of kind of learned all of that then. So however, when I built that first table and I used the circular saw, I think a few builds later was the first time I'd ever used a miter saw. I then bought a miter saw and since then my tools have grown and I've had a whole lot of firsts. This this summer was my first time using a table saw, which I've avoided for four years because of fear. <laughs> but so there's still a lot of firsts out there for me, I'm sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, and I've had a few people on the show say, you know, that there was that one tool that they had to get over, like, a fear with, um, and I personally still have the router. I have used it before um, when I was in uh, taking classes for woodworking in a college, but I was like, but I was supervised there, <laughs> and I had, you know, somebody who had much more experience than me to help me, so I felt yeah. comfortable. I've yet to use... Um, I have a brand new router table in my shop that has not been, that has not been used, uh, probably for about that four-year mark. So maybe this will be the year. I will say that's my team will be the year. <laughs> um, I will cheer you on, girl, and I totally get it. I totally get it. I've had several people say to me, are you serious? How can you woodwork without a table saw? And I'm like, look, I've done fine for four years. I can maintain this just fine. But I agree. Like sometimes we need to push ourselves, do your research, but you know, and make sure you're safe. But yeah, it takes some bravery. I agree. Now, fun fact, I don't have a table saw in my um, shop, but Woo! most of the stuff I do doesn't require it. So I just, if I need to do, you know, uh, rip cuts, which should be safely done with a table saw, but I do them with my miter saw. Um, I just try to do it safely. And at this point, it's more just about like, you know, expense versus what I get out of it, you know, trying Absolutely. to make that decision of what tool to buy next based on what's most needed in the yes. shop. But yeah. Yeah. Um, was there anything in particular, though, that helped you get over that hurdle to use the table saw when you, you know, had a fear based around it? Yeah, I uh, I had an order for a table that was hardwood, and I don't have a joiner. I do now. At the time, I didn't have a joiner, and um, I had read about ways that you could join tabletop with a table saw, and so I was like, 
it's time. I'm going to give it a shot. And I still don't own a table saw. I actually borrowed that table saw from a friend, brought it into my garage and played around with it for a second. And obviously for me, I think getting over a fear of a tool, um, it starts with research. I have to know everything I can about that tool and about in this case, it was kickback and ways that you could get hurt and how to avoid getting hurt and what things to use. So talking to a lot of other woodworkers and watching YouTube videos, that helped me a lot. And then just diving in, I think I just had to force myself to, to go for it. And I wanted to get over that hurdle. And so that was a little bit of motivation there because it was something I wanted to say I could do now, you know. So anyway. You know, I did not realize that you can joint wood with a table saw. Never knew that. <laughs> yes. In fact, I made a video on YouTube about oh, it. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Go check that out. Yeah, I'll put a, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Everybody <laughs> check that out. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yes, I don't have a, um, a jointer either. Um, yeah. And there again, mine tends to be like the ones that you can – by, you know, at Home Depot and, and Lowe's and stuff are too yeah. small for me. Yep. Like I need them bigger. And then yes. to get those bigger ones, that's thousands of dollars of investment. <laughs> I, know. I know. That's exactly, that's been my hang up too. Yeah. I don't have thousands of dollars to spread, spend on tools that can do the job. Exactly my dilemma. And yeah. so I found this out. You can, you can rip down a straight edge and mm -hmm. then you can link the boards together and it worked really well. It was great. Yeah. Um, I have seen, and I might try that this year. I do have like a 12 inch planer, um, just, you know, a little Delta one. And I have seen where you can make this sled so you can joint one side flat and then, you know, get a true yep. plane so that both sides are, um, parallel and flat. But yeah. Um, Yes, the the issue of trying to find maybe that's when I'll use my router though. I've got a couple slabs that need to be flattened this year, so there you go. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> perfect opportunity. <laughs> I know. It's, I'm behind you. Got to get over that fear. <laughs> I understand. I understand. When you're ready, you'll know. You'll be like, okay, it's, it's yeah. time. I think, like you though, it's. I think it's going to come because I know this year I have a couple. Um, orders that are coming later this year and they want large slab pieces and I'm like all right I think I'm gonna have to bite the bullet and just do it because I need to you know need to provide what they're asking for so yes that's good motivation <laughs> when people are asking for things that really helps you know and then once you do it you'll be like why did I wait so long that's right <laughs> that's right I'm excited to see your slabs that'll be awesome thanks that's fun yeah, I know um, so how do you manage being such an, you know, an active mom, especially if you're homeschooling and a maker and running your own business all at the same time? Do I manage it? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, that's a hard question. And I've been asked that question quite a few times and I honestly, I don't know. I think that a schedule is very helpful for me and my family, and we kind of all know what's expected of us throughout the day. My kids are very uh, self-driven, which is really nice, so I can give them a list of things they need to do throughout the day, and they'll 
they'll take care of that. And luckily with woodworking, I can pop out into the shop for half an hour and if they need me, they know where I'm at, you know? And so that's helpful. Um, <clears throat> but again, I think a lot of it is awareness. I think taking the time to take a look at life and every few days, every few weeks, every few months, whatever it is you need to do and and making sure that you're getting those pieces in that are really important to you. And for me, that's something that I've been trying to do a little more often lately because things can take, I, I allow things to take over very easily. My husband calls it work creep. I suffer from work creep because the second I start, it just creeps on up and takes over everything. And I'm so excited about a build or I'm so excited about something that's going on and that's all I want to talk about and do. I'm sure it drives him crazy, but he's a good sport. Um, anyway, so I think just being able to stop and take a look at things and, okay, am I doing the things that are really important to me? Am I taking care of myself? And I've also noticed that I'm a little bit of a sprinter in that I will sprint and finish a whole bunch of things really fast, and then I'm depleted and I need to take a week off. And then I stop building for a week and I spend time with my family and myself. Sometimes I just Netflix binge and take, you know, a day and build myself back up till I have energy again. And then I'll sprint again, you know, it'll happen again, but I have to allow myself those downtimes. I think that's really important as well. Yeah, I think that's, um, very good advice, right? Um, kind of like the whole analogy to of like, put your, the plane is crashing, put your mask on first, make sure you can absolutely um, have enough energy to tackle everything. Make sure you can breathe. Yes. <laughs> Very important. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, just real quick, I want, I was going to ask you, you know, since you kind of mentioned with your childhood and you'd get interested in something and then you'd kind of jump all over the place, you know, something new would catch your eye type thing. Um, mm -hmm. And there are lots of challenges in woodworking and it, it does keep it interesting, but are there types of projects out there that, you know, are something that's like on your horizon, something that you're hoping to get to get into and try out because the, the challenge of it intrigues you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think built-ins, um, big, huge units like that are something that I've done a few smaller versions and I really enjoy building them. So that's something I'd really like to learn how to do and do it well and deal with walls that aren't square and floors that aren't level and figure out how to go around that process and still create something beautiful and um, really, I guess, just well-built. Fine joinery, that's something that I'd really like to work on if I have time, that's the, that's the hard thing about fine joinery for me is that it takes a very long time. And so um, I'd like to improve my skills there for sure. But honestly, um, the different styles of tables and things that customers bring to me, I think that's enough of a challenge for me right now. Like I, I find a lot of joy in that and I have a small, working time as far as weather goes and so I try to squeeze it all in and do the best I can but it seems like every year 
I have customers bring me something new that I've never done before. And so I really don't have to go looking for it. And I'm pretty new at this stuff still. I don't consider myself an expert in any way. And so I'm like, well, I'll give it a shot. You know, I'll, I'll do my best and I'll try and see what I can do. And most of the time I have a really great time figuring it out. So does that answer your question? It does. It does. Um, are you looking to get into more like content creation at all? Um, you know, how to's and that type of thing. I think I would really love to do that. Um, but I find that it's hard for me. That is definitely a challenge for me. Content creation is time consuming as you know, <laughs> as you very well know, I'm sure. And learning what people like and learning how to give your audience what they want. And I, that's a whole new business right there. It's like running two different businesses at the same time, you know? And but so that's why your degree would totally give you a leg up. Like <laughs> I'm thinking maybe I need to like just hire you to tell me what my audience wants and then <laughs> I'll do a better job with that. <laughs> oh man. I wish that were the case. <laughs> I need to like create a study of some kind and then we can have a research study. We can figure it out together. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yes, content creation is definitely something that I want to be better at and I want to learn how to do for sure. Okay. Yeah. I think um, for a really long time, that wasn't part of my plan or my thought process. Um, and really, I started like my YouTube videos just to uh, get my name out there, you know, because with me, I'm doing my own designs and trying to <clears throat> sell my own aesthetic. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, not so much custom. So I thought, well, this would be a good place, you know, and I thought it was a good value proposition for customers when they did buy a piece. You know, I always try to get their their information and send them a link to the video of the, you know, the piece they bought. Here's me making it. So uh, oh, that's cool. That kind of like, you know, completes the circle for them. So they understand more about it. Um, but it's turned into more than that, right? It's turned into like now um, I kind of have a separate mission for that side of the business. Like now I want to be out there and visible to help encourage other women to, just jump in and start making, um, you know, I'm like, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, I might not always do it right, but you know, put in that out there for people to be able to see it. Gosh, you know, I love that. I love what you're trying to do. I love your mission. And I love that you said, I might not always do it right. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a firm believer that there are a lot of right ways to do something. You know, people will lead you to believe there is only one, but there's not. If it works, <laughs> it looks good and you like it, it's right. That's right. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> Yeah, there's more than one way to put two boards together, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I love what you're doing. I think there's a lot of people out there who have, you know, passion and they want to do something, but the, something's holding them back. Yep. So I love that you're empowering that piece of, of people. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think all of us, you know, uh, specifically in this instance, all of us women out there who are now like, I keep seeing a growing number of you know, women woodworkers and welders and, um, uh, you know, just maybe these l larger project builds um, along with the smaller stuff, but more of them out on Instagram and 
YouTube. And I feel like, you know, we just got to band together and create this kind of, you know, wave of, so that, you know, you have, um, you have two girls and I have one girl and it's like, it's important to me that my daughter sees that, you know, there are many different things that she can do. Um, not that she has to, uh, become a maker at all, but she darn well will know how to use a tool before she leaves my house. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I feel the same way. You will know how to fix some things around the house. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I think that's important. I love that. That's great. <laughs> so, and I think you've probably answered this a little bit already, but what is your favorite part about being a maker? <clears throat> My favorite part about being a maker, yeah, I think I touched on it a little bit, is that I can put my heart and soul into a piece, which I do pretty much with every single piece. There's something about creating something from nothing, and it takes on a piece of you. And I can do that with something and give it to someone else, and they get to take it home, and it becomes part of their family and their everyday life. Even something as simple as a side table or an entry table that doesn't seem very important, um, it will be there. It will be in their home. They will look at it every single day. And I like to put up videos, too, when I'm making a piece. And I've found that my customers follow along. And it means a little bit more to them when they can see the process of me handmaking an item for them. And they choose the colors they choose the design and they get to bring that into their family and that's just really special to me um along with the creation part of that where I get to be alone with myself and create something so I love that yeah absolutely um I think the alone and creation part are key um I find it very grounding, you know, like you, I can get definitely once I start something, I can, it kind of becomes meditative sometimes and I can lose all track of time. Um, absolutely. You know, <laughs> in that task that I'm working on. Yeah, absolutely. And as a therapist, it's really funny. You probably dabbling in psychology, you probably know a little bit about this, but with people who have severe anxiety and depression, a lot of the therapy includes mindfulness activities. And when you're doing a mindfulness activity, it's about being present and using your body to ground yourself to your surroundings. What is better than woodworking? <laughs> like that is the exact description of woodworking, yeah. right? Yeah. And then there's a the little piece of creativity, but you have to focus. You can't be thinking about nope. what you're doing this week while you're cutting a feet. Like you have to be in the present moment. Yeah. And so, for me, I deal with a little bit of anxiety and it has definitely become that mindfulness piece for me, for yeah. sure. And, and I too definitely have um, anxiety, you know, and um, have had depression in the past. So it's definitely, um, and, and it's to a point more, mostly too, like if I go too long without going in the shop, like I'm cranky <laughs> and I'm just yes. not in a good mood. Yes. <laughs> You know, yes. so it's, yes. it's something, even if it's just 30 minutes of like sanding, like I used to, not, sanding's still not my favorite, but I have, I'm starting to learn like the meditative, pro, you know, um, benefits of it, of just being able to focus on what I'm doing and, um, and watching the grain and appreciating all of that about it. Um, 
now when I have a huge table to sand, I might not be as appreciative of it, but um, standing, is, I understand. <laughs> standing is my least favorite thing to do. So I've started a new thing called sand dancing. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes, I have. <laughs> You should give that a shot. You know, it's a little helpful. It makes it a little more fun. <laughs> anyway, I'm yes. weird. <laughs> no, I totally get it. Uh, all right, so what's your favorite? And again, this is another one you've kind of touched on a little bit, but what's your favorite part about being a mom? Oh, that's a tricky one too. I feel like it's multifaceted for, it's hard to answer that question, <clears throat> but being able to watch a person grow and become their own strong, confident soul is probably the ultimate thing about being a mom. You know, you get to watch a brand new <laughs> human go through everything for the first time. You get to be there when they experience all these new things about this wonderful world, sometimes awful, but there are a lot of wonderful things in this world, right? And as a child, especially, there's a lot of wonderful things. And for me, that has been the most wonderful experience. And it's funny because growing up, I was never that kid that was like, I'll babysit. I want to babysit. I want to go see all the kids and play with the little kids. I was never interested in little kids or babies. I'm not the one who's like, let me hold the brand new baby. Not me. But when it was my children, that was a totally different experience for me. And that's a new connection that I never knew was even out there until I became a mom. So that connection with them is probably my most favorite thing about being a mom. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. I was not necessarily like keen on like, and, and this is really bad, but to be honest, still it's like mm, other people's kids, eh. <laughs> but mine, <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm like, it's all right. I'll pass. But <laughs> sounds so bad but I know. I, you know, it's different when it's your own it's yep. different yeah absolutely <laughs> so what are some challenges or maybe hurdles you've had to um, face or overcome being um, a maker and an entrepreneur in a traditionally male dominated field oh you know <clears throat> I'm not sure that I've experienced a ton of hurdles. And I know that a lot of people do in a male dominated um, area, but that, that really hasn't been my experience. And I've found that most people, male or female, are very helpful when you have questions. If you earnestly come to somebody and say, I really don't understand how to do this, will you help me? Most of the time, people are genuine and they'll help. Every now and then, <laughs> there is some quote-unquote mansplaining that will happen, <laughs> and I feel like that's, in any field, that will happen. I mean, if, if I were to see a man in the women's department of a clothing store, I would probably look at him for a minute and be like, what's he doing here, you know? And so, if I get the looks at the lumber yard or wherever it is, I like to think it's because it's just something they're not used to seeing, not because there's any kind of discrimination going on at the time, you know? And so I think 
I think the biggest hurdle is, is trying not to be offended and looking at life the way that it is and seeing it through someone else's eyes and having a little bit of empathy for me, that's been the hurdle, I suppose. Yeah. And, and I would say too, like within, like within the maker community, I don't feel like there's um, any discrimination between like male uh, makers and female makers at all. Um, I would say most people, most women experience it from people from outside of the community, you know, more so just random strangers being like, wait, what you would, you do woodworking? Like you're not supposed to do that. Right. Um, But then to your point, like if you can take a step back, you know, that hurdle of maybe not jumping to being offended, but take a step back, maybe use that opportunity to educate somebody that yes, women can do this too in a nice and polite manner. Um, You know, I agree with you 100%. And the funny thing is, I I actually kind of like being in the minority. I'm one of those people who's kind of like, it's fun to get those what, you know, comments. But every now and then there are some comments that in fact, just last last week, I was talking to a few friends on Instagram about this, I went into my local lumber store. And I was looking for a lumber cart, I had a bunch of lumber that I had to get. And they were out completely out of these lumber carts. And so I went up to an associate and I said, Hey, your lumber carts are all gone. Where can I find one? And he looked at me dead in the eye and said, well, what do you need it for? And I said, uh, lumber, (laughs) I'm pretty sure. And then he went, Oh, and he kind of snapped in into gear and he found me a lumber cart. And then he tried to overcompensate because he realized, you know, what he had done. And so I appreciated him going above and beyond. He brought the cart to me. I was in a totally different area in the store. So every now and then there are those moments where I'm like, come on now, come on, meet me. Um, But they're far, they're not so close together as they used to be, I guess. Um, And I try not to take offense to them. And like I said, I kind of like being in the minority. And thank goodness for Instagram because there are those moments where I'm talking to people who are not in this field and you can see their eyes just glaze over as you're talking about woodworking, you know, and you're like, all right, this isn't their thing. They're not interested in this at all. And so I have to kind of cut myself off and go, okay, okay. It's not your passion. It's my passion. I understand, but thank heavens for Instagram because it is your passion and I can geek out with everybody on Instagram about lumber and design and all of that. So thank goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of my first, actually, I think it it was my first like art fair type thing um, that I took my stuff to. And and my one of my sisters came uh, towards the end, she was going to help me pack up uh, when it was over with and someone came over, uh, a guy came over and he was a woodworker too. So he was like asking me questions about how I did this or that. And I don't know, we talked for probably half an hour and and you know he walked away and she's like I have never seen you geek out so much in my entire life and I'm like what (laughs) I like talking about this stuff yes and it's so fun when you find someone else who's actually interested and wants to talk about it too then you're just like ah (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same way (laughs) so I, I have this question for you because you um homeschool your kids and then you're doing a business from home as well. Is there any uh, element of, 
I guess, like isolation, um, you know, because you're not going into an office every day and being around other people and your kids are other people too. Yes. But, um, it's just different, you know, than having that adult interaction. Absolutely. And I am a social person. Um, I'm shy and introverted, but I like people. And so in the very beginning, I think there was definitely when I first started and I was pregnant and I was home and I had just quit my job and lost that social interaction, which was a lot. I mean, as a therapist, I was talking to a lot of people every day. Um, not only people I worked with, but clients, et cetera, et cetera. And so there was oh, a good six months or so where I kind of found myself going into a little bit of a depression and which was not what I wanted, you know, here I had quit my job and wanted to do this. And I felt like what my choice was the right choice for me and my family. So I was really questioning what is going on? Why is this happening? And I think there was that point, it was a little bit of isolation and I was missing that social interaction, but I'm also a homeschooler. So I'm used to not having that social interaction and having to work to find it. And, and that's kind of part, I think, of being a homeschooler. If you want to be social, to learn to be social, you have to get out there, right? And so um, Instagram was a big, that was a big part of me joining Instagram was to find other people who kind of liked the same things I did because people around me were getting tired of hearing about <laughs> woodworking and designs and ideas and tools and things like that. And luckily I have a few friends, like my neighbor next door, she is a designer by trade. She's an architect. And so she had a couple tools so I could geek out with her a little bit, but I needed a bigger circle. So Facebook and Instagram were a big part of that. And pretty soon through Instagram, Instagram came maker meetups and meeting in person, these other people that were really interested in the same things that I'm interested in. So I think that does fill that void a little bit for me in a sense. Okay. Yeah. I, I really just kind of wanted to get your uh, perspective on that because I've um, had it come up a few times in the, the recent past from the community about, you know, how do we do this? We're, you know, at home, especially moms at home with, you know, our kids and working all day from home um, and not getting that uh, interaction, you know, outside, outside the, the home. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be really fun to start a group that met once or twice a week as moms mm -hmm. and where we could just talk about things yeah. so just yeah. have like <laughs> this way through zoom I don't know yeah. exactly <laughs> I think it'd maybe, be really maybe fun could, maybe this is the uh the seed that starts the the maker mom chat meetups oh. there you go there you go I don't know I and I think it's different for everybody because yes isolation is the same for everybody but filling that void is going to look a little different for mm -hmm. everyone don't you think yeah and so I think being willing to put yourself out there and search for that, I think is the key. What, what does that look like? How do you need it to be? Because I'm also the type of person who can get really depleted if I have too much social interaction. <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> I need like a happy medium. Like, okay, this is great. Whoa, too much. Back yeah. up. <laughs> Boundaries are key, right? Yeah, Finding absolutely. Boundaries. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so do you have any words of wisdom for um, 
other moms out there who, you know, have an interest in doing something creative and how to, how to do that? <laughs> Words of wisdom. That's always like the pressure phrase. Words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> How about words of encouragement? Is that there you go? I like that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think for me, I would say just do it, research it, look at it, feel like you kind of kind of understand what it is you want to try and just try. Don't be afraid to fail. I cannot tell you how many times I fail in a day all the time. And that's a part of it. That's a part of creation. That's a part of learning. That's a part of life. And we can love our failures and the things we learn from our failures as much as we do our successes. And so I would say just be willing to fail and give it a shot, you know? Yep, absolutely. Um, so how can people find you, find out more about you? Where's, what are all the things that you are on and doing? So I'm on YouTube and it's just through Eternal Harvest Decor. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, and then I have a website, eternalharvestdecor.com. Okay. That makes it easy for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and I'll also include uh, links to all of those in the um, show notes as well, plus your jointing. Uh, video. So awesome. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, again, Brandy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today and share a bit about your journey um, as a maker mom. Oh, gosh, anytime, Katie. This was really fun. I it appreciate was. it. Yeah. It's awesome. Such a great interview with Brandy from Eternal Harvest. Um, I think it's just such an interesting journey, again, going from psychologist to woodworker, maker extraordinaire. It's just an awesome journey. All right. So uh, again, I will include in the show notes the how to get a hold of Brandy and follow along on her journey. And also I have a date and time for the first online Maker Mom meetup. It's going to be Wednesday, February 6th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. And you will be able to find the link for that um, through Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Maker Mom podcast. Um, and you will need to be a patron to have access to that link. But don't worry, um, there's all sorts of tiers for becoming a patron and becoming part of the Maker Mom tribe. I'm really excited about this first online Maker Mom meetup and I hope to be meeting and talking with many of you soon. So until next week, I will see you later.